When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know what to do at this point, which is why I've come here. What I've seen has changed me. I don't know if what I've seen is real, but I believe it to be, as I saw it with my own eyes, a horrific sight from the darkest of nightmares. I'll try to explain my situation as best I can, but I pray to God there is someone who reads this that has had a similar experience. If not, then I'll have to come to the conclusion that I'm insane, which would be difficult. My whole life has been a practical one, and up until this day, I've only known reality. I now have seen such things as of last night that completely contradict any of my past beliefs of this reality in which we all live. Please bear with me as I try to explain my situation as it is a strenuous task. Let me first introduce myself as I have yet to do so. I go by the name my lovely parents gave me, Nathan James Willem. I'm a man of 20-some-odd years, and I've been an attorney of law for the past four of them. I reside alone in my homely little house in the suburban area of my town. It's been my home for no more than two years at this point in time, and I was finally settled into the place when the strange occurrences began. It was no more than a month ago that I awoke to a sort of ripping or tearing sound outside the wall of my bedroom. The wall I speak of is the barrier that separates my bedroom from the outside part of my backyard, where I let my garbage bin sit when it's not trash day in my neighborhood. It took me only a few moments of thinking in my sleepy state to determine what the noise was. Something was going through my garbage. A critter, most likely. I figured I should probably go out with my flashlight to scare the thing off before it thrashed open the bags in the bins and scattered bits of rotten garbage all over my yard. I rose from my bed, teetered a bit in my not-yet-awake state, and then grabbed my black mag light I kept in the bedside drawer. I roamed the dark rooms of my home until I made my way to the back door. Once outside, I strolled over to the side of my house, guided by the light in my back porch light, and made my way toward the area that connects my front yard to the back with a locked wood gate. Once I was in the area with the bins, I switched on my mag light, expecting to catch the creature in the act a possum or raccoon, whatever it was, but there was nothing. Just my bins of garbage leaning against the wall with their tops flipped up. The bags inside were somewhat torn, but there was no garbage that I could see on the ground in front of me using the light. There was, however, a horribly disgusting smell. A smell that I cannot accurately describe. You may be thinking something like, Well, duh, there's a smell. You're standing next to the garbage, Nathan. Use your damn head. And yes, I was standing next to the open garbage bins, but this 
horrific smell wasn't that of the garbage in front of me. It was, it was from the thing. It smelled like death. Worse than a corpse, actually. Like I said, the smell is most indescribable, and it still lingers in that spot today. It's as if I can't get it out of my nostrils, even if I were to cut off my nose. The smell is so uncanny and unnatural. Those are the best terms I can use to describe it to others. That night, I returned to my bedroom and laid down again, feeling quite puzzled. I wondered why the animal had so neatly torn open the bags in my bins without knocking them over or scattering the contents everywhere. How did the creature disappear without a trace only moments after he heard the noises from my bedroom, leaving nothing but its horrid smell behind? It was quite eerie, though I let these thoughts go eventually as I drifted off to sleep again. I can't remember for sure, but I feel as if I had very strange dreams for the rest of that night. Though, again, I can't recall any of them at this point, so I can't say for certain. I slept peacefully for the next week or so with no disturbances in the nights following the incident. I remember rolling the trash bins to the street in the cool evening of the Tuesday that week, Wednesday, it's trash day in my neighborhood, and realizing that the rotten smell still refused to cease from lingering in the air on the side of the house where the bins usually sat. It was quite disturbing to me, and I even went to the point of asking my neighbor what the cause may be. Rachel is the name of the quiet lady who shares a fence with me that separates our yards on that particular side of my house. I don't know much about her, honestly. She's young, single mother, and usually keeps to herself. I caught her one morning that week walking from her front door to her gray SUV parked in her driveway. I did something then that I hadn't really cared to do since I moved into this house. I struck up a conversation with the woman. Out of desperate effort, I hurried through the small talk while trying my best to not seem rude and asked her about the smell. I was disappointed to find that even though Rachel keeps her garbage bins on the other side of the fence, she couldn't smell anything. I asked her if anything had been in there recently, and she told me that there hadn't been any reason for her to believe that there was. I even led her over to the wood gate that leads to my backyard and asked her if she knew what the horrible smell might be from. I remember her awkwardly tilting her head and looking at me briefly before saying, Smell? I don't smell anything unusual, and I'm pretty sure my sense of smell is still intact. As weird as it was, the woman truly didn't smell anything. I felt embarrassed in the moment. I apologized to Rachel for acting strange as I did and let her go on about her day. The embarrassment faded shortly after, and I remember doing a good bit of thinking that day. Why was the smell still there after a whole week? Why was I able to smell it even from the part of my front yard by the wood gate when Rachel smelled nothing? It was so strong when I was near the gate, yet the smell went unnoticed by Rachel when she was standing right next to me. Am I insane? I might be, but I'll get back into that in a bit. It was a few days after my conversation with Rachel that I was awoken by the familiar noise again. I remember briefly looking at my phone to check the time. 3.33 a.m. 
Once again, I rose from the warm cover and sheets in my bed and grabbed the mag light out of my drawer. It was then that the noise outside ceased, almost as if something large was in the bins and digging into the bags as the bins knocked against the wall. Something as small as a raccoon couldn't be making such a ruckus, so I figured a stray dog may have found its way into my yard through a hole in the fence or something. This time, along with my mag light from the drawer, I grabbed my baseball bat I kept under the bed. I didn't intend to hurt whatever it was, but figured it's better to be safe rather than sorry. I've always been taught to practice caution, a principle I live by and even apply to my daily work as an attorney. Anyway, with my bat and mag light, I made my way through the house and out the back door. This time, the noises hadn't ceased once I made it outside. I wasn't scared, but maybe a bit nervous. I made it all the way to the side of my house with the bins when the noise finally stopped right before I was able to switch my light on. The strange thing about the incident is that there was no trace of sound of the creature's abrupt escape. It's as if it just vanished at the perfect time, right before I would see it. I remember thinking to myself, what the fuck, before the smell hit me like a train. The smell was stronger now. God, the smell. I can vividly recall almost losing my balance as it filled my nostrils in threatening waves. If I hadn't quickly placed my hand on the wall then, I think I probably would have fainted on the spot. I flashed my light around the seam, the beam of light darting from fence to the wall and then to the ground. When I came to the conclusion that the thing that had been there only a few moments ago had completely vanished, I slowly approached the bins. With the light of the flashlight set on the spot that the bin sat, I could see exactly what had happened. The bin that I used for my recyclable waste was left unfaltered, but the main waste bin was left with the lid open and leaning against the wall of my house. The smell was utterly unbearable. You would think that your nose would become accustomed to even the worst of scents if exposed to them long enough, but this smell is different different from anything I've ever smelled in the entirety of my life. It never faded a bit, but only grew stronger as I peered over the open waste bin and fixed my light into its contents. What I saw then made my spine go rigid. Upon the torn bag in the bin lay a single envelope with my name and address. A piece of my own mail discarded by none other than myself only a few days before. I can still remember shuffling through the mail I'd received when I recognized the envelope that contained a copy of a bank statement. I remember tossing the unopened envelope into the trash can I keep in my kitchen as I have no need for a written statement. I do most of my banking online these days. Though as I stood by the bins that night, staring at the envelope, fear surged through me. I felt cold. I looked at the envelope that was now torn open at the top, either by a knife or someone's nails, and felt the hairs on the back of my neck stand up straight. I picked up the envelope and realized its contents were now gone. 
It was then that I realized that this wasn't an animal that had been in my trash that night. It was a person. A human being had gone through the contents of my garbage to find a statement with my personal information and then vanished with it without any trace other than that terribly unnatural smell. I can well remember getting no more sleep that night as I went over the incident in my head for the rest of the dark hours before morning. Creepy thoughts filled my head and I couldn't seem to get rid of them for long, no matter how hard I tried. Who the hell could it have been? A past defendant seeking vengeance for a case I managed. Possible, but most likely not, judging by the smell. Homeless person, maybe? They tend to give off a certain stench from lack of a place to bathe. I thought to myself, even someone who hadn't showered since the day they were born would smell much better than the stench that refuses to leave the side of my house. I was stumped. I contemplated filing a report for a short time, but eventually dismissed the idea. I usually take matters into my own hands, and I didn't believe that my local law enforcement would be able to do much with the case evidence I currently possessed. There was nothing to go on. At least I thought there wasn't, until I went over to the scene the next morning and found the print. I was paralyzed, unable to move at the unsightly print in the wet mud before the bed. There was only one was not of human form, from what I could tell. Coupled with the lingering stench, the footprint was a horror to behold, and I remember having to swallow vomit in my mouth as first gaze upon the mud. The print of what I thought was from a foot of some kind had not five, but two toes. The best way I can find to describe it myself is that of the shape of a pair of flippers used for scuba diving and such, though only one print was made instead of two, and the head of the flipper had a strange indent that formed two obvious toes. This is what made me realize that the print was not of a shoe or some other kind of footwear. It was the footprint of some deformed person's actual foot. It was not a pleasant sight to behold in your own backyard, and as I was finally able to move again, I pulled my phone out of the pocket and snapped a picture of the print to save for evidence in whatever case I may possibly need it in the future. I can't say I slept well the next few nights, as I recall, though there were no noises or signs to indicate the person was back in my garbage. The same day I found the print, I took it upon myself to order a personal surveillance camera from Amazon just for under a hundred bucks that arrived the next evening via my Prime membership. I set the camera up outside on the corner of the roof of my house so that it would capture the entirety of that side where the bins were. The camera was able to capture a night vision wireless feed that I'd set up on my laptop that I kept on my bedside table. It was good quality, as I figured out from testing, but it could not capture sound. Well, this wasn't a big deal to me. I only wanted to see for myself who was going through my waste to acquire personal information so that I could have evidence to submit to the police, in hopes that they would be able to identify the intruder. For a week or so after, I'd set up the camera, and there were no disturbances. It wasn't until the night before last that it happened. I awoke from a loud bang, 
the sound I knew at once to be the garbage bin hitting the wall of which my bed sits against. It was louder than the previous times, and it came with a ravaging noise. Whoever it was that was on that side of the house was furiously ravaging through the waste bin, caring not one bit about the sheer volume of noise it was producing in doing so. At first I just laid there, unable to move out of pure fright. I was paralyzed for no more than two minutes as I sat there listening to the intruder on the outside. When I finally broke free of the paralysis, I quickly reached over to my bedside table, grabbed my laptop, and flipped it open. I pulled up the camera feed, and what I saw on the screen numbed my body from head to toe. Feelings of terror, panic, and absolute fear of the unknown were all I felt for a time as I looked at what was on the screen. As I became completely paralyzed once again. I saw the thing sitting in a crouched position upon the outer rim of the bin as if it held no weight. It was rummaging through the bin with inhuman maneuvers of its dark arms. It was somewhat humanoid in the nature of the form of its body, but it was no human by any means possible. It was made up of a dark, blackish mass of what looked kind of like shaggy fur, though I knew this wasn't the case. It was not fur that I saw which made up the mass of this thing. It was some sort of black fire, ghastly in nature, that would flare like that of the flames of a fire. Its hands were not hands, and said they were a pair of claw-like spikes that darted out from each of the thing's forearms. The feet were almost impossible to make out by the angle of the camera, and the position of the thing was crouched, though I had no doubt then and there it was the same thing that had made the unearthly footprint I'd seen in the mud only last week. The thing then rotated its dark head so slowly and so unnaturally to face directly up and toward the camera. It was then that I saw the creature's face that I screamed like a child, or so I thought I did. No noise came out of my terrified self as I recall correctly. Upon its face, the creature had dimly lit red eyes as if the light in which was keeping the glowing color alight was some sort of supernatural explanation unknown to humans. From what I could see, the sort of demon had no mouth or nose, just those evil red eyes that flickered and flared like the rest of its body. It looked directly into the camera for a time that seemed like a year in the moment almost as if it knew I was looking directly back into its eyes through the camera. Did this creature know I was only a few feet from itself, where I then laid in my bed, separated only by the thin wall of my house? Just as the thought crossed my mind, the thing on the screen vanished before my eyes, and the camera feed went dead only seconds after, nothing but a screen of static. For the rest of the night, I did not dare to move nor try to sleep. There were no signs that the thing was still out there at any other time of night, but I was too terrified to get out of bed. I just lay there with the covers covering all my body except for my head for what seemed like eternity. It wasn't until daylight streamed through my bedroom and I could hear the sounds of the suburban life outside commencing that I finally arose. First thing I did was check the scene of the incident. 
puked at the stench when I got close to the side of the house, but not much came up as I hadn't eaten anything in a good twelve hours. I pressed on toward the bends and saw that once again only the main waste had been tampered with, and I couldn't tell if the creature had taken anything with it this time. What I did find gone, however, was the camera. It was as if it had vanished along with the creature. What's worse is the recording is gone from my laptop, and the picture I'd saved on my phone of the footprint seems to be deleted as if it were never taken. I feel as if I'm going completely insane. This was only yesterday morning. I didn't go to work yesterday, and I probably won't today either. The thing... It came back last night, and I know this for sure. What's worse is I think it was in my house. My bedroom. I tried to sleep last night, but I was abruptly woken by what seemed like nothing at all. I quickly realized I was unable to move at all. I wanted to. I tried to, but I couldn't. I was lying on my side in my bed, facing the wall while unable to move, when I suddenly noticed the smell. I started to panic. I knew exactly what was in the room with me and I could not move to save my life. I then heard the whispers of the thing. It doesn't speak like we speak. It whispers... It whispers we are of a language I've never heard before and they didn't sound coherent whatsoever. All I remember is the terror the sounds gave me just from listening before I felt it on my bed from the direction my back was turned. I still couldn't move. I could feel it, trying to climb its way out of my bed. I tried with all my will and strength to move and finally broke free. I jumped up as quick as I could and everything seemed to cease then and there. I realized it was daytime now that I must have slept through most of the night. There was nothing in the room with me, no whispers circled the air now, but the smell was still there. The smell's in my house now and I'm terrified. I have no idea what action to take at this point. Along with the smell, various objects from my house have gone missing. Candles, random pictures, and my rosary that I've kept in the drawer of my bedside table that's belonged to me since my childhood. I'm still terrified, which is why I'm posting this account. I've done some research on what the cause may be, and I've come up with silly results such as sleep paralysis or psychosis. This all seems too real to me to be of any natural explanation. I think I'm dealing with something supernatural and demonic. I've ordered a set of surveillance cameras that should arrive tomorrow, assuming I'm still alive and somewhat sane. I feel like I'm living in a house out of the paranormal activity movies, only it's real and naturally much more disturbing. I'll hopefully report back with accounts of what I've seen on the new cameras and what I've myself witnessed in the next few days. If nothing is heard from me after this account, please just assume the worst. Her family had lived in that house, on that street, for as long as Ivana could remember. She had her birthday parties in that backyard, then swung from the big tree in the front yard until the rope wore down and the metal creaked. 
Every Christmas morning, her and her brothers gathered on the floor before the tree, and every Easter, they sat back on the porch and dyed eggs to fill with confetti and glitter. Their walls were covered in both old and new photos, some black and white, some faded sepia, and others from the weekends previous. It had always seemed to smell of her grandmother's flowery perfume and smoke from their small wood-burning fireplace. Not too big, but big enough, as her father always said. It was home, serving as the backdrop for every fond memory she held dear. Well, them and a less pleasant one. Having lived in that neighborhood for so long, they'd come to be close with almost all of their immediate neighbors. To their left lived an elderly couple Ivana knew simply as Mr. and Mrs. Herrera, who always sat in rocking chairs in their netted enclosed porch, and to their right lived the Campbell family. The Campbell's house was painted a lilac color, and their backyard was separated by nothing more than a chain-link fence. It had a bigger front yard, too, or at least it felt that way, since they lacked bushes or trees, which, in turn, led to many afternoons spent playing tag there with the Campbell kids. The youngest of them was a girl, two years older than Ivana, named Alyssa. The two were very close, and often walked to school with their arms linked as they tried to stomp in every puddle or kick as much snow off the sidewalk as they could. Alyssa was at every one of those birthday parties without fail, and Ivana climbed over the fence to join every one of hers. They agreed that nothing could ever separate them, and someday they may even move away together. The best thing was, in their minds, the fact that their bedroom windows were both on the sides of their respective house, facing each other. The two of them would sit in the window sills, perched like birds, and spent many hours talking by writing on notebooks and holding them up for each other to see. They'd give each other's attention late at night with a few flickers of a flashlight and reveled in the disobedience and perceived danger of it all, should they be found awake. Gossip, homework, answers, anything to preoccupy each other until they were too tired to stay awake. Ivana looked forward to it every night especially on days when chores and schoolwork kept her out of the yard. Snowy and sick days were by far the worst, and she sought comfort in leaning against the glass with her flashlight in hand. Alyssa was her best friend, and she loved her. Alyssa, unfortunately, didn't stick around as long as she had planned. That warm summer morning when the moving truck pulled up in front of the lilac house, the two girls were heartbroken. Neither had known that far in advance, and when the news had been broken to them, it was taken with the hopeless sort of sadness that came with the inevitable. It rained that afternoon, and Alyssa stood in her window with her backpack over one shoulder, waving goodbye. She wasn't crying, and Ivana smiled back with as much reassurance as she could muster. After her friend had gotten into the car and drove away with all her family's belongings in tow, however, all she could do was cry into her pillow so nobody would hear. She was a big girl, after all. No, Mommy, it's okay. We're going to call and write letters. She'll do it, she promised. The house was empty for a long while, growing weeds while remaining vacant and silent. They stayed out of the front yard and only went over to pick the for sale sign back up when it would fall over. 
Winter blanketed the house in snow that was left untarnished by footsteps until spring. The lawn turned brown under the summer sun without someone to water it in the evenings, and school started back up again, and Ivana had only received one letter and two phone calls from her old friend. They didn't know what to talk about either time. She wouldn't have noticed a for sale sign go down if it wasn't for her brother Thomas's suspicious tendencies. Thomas had said multiple times that he'd seen people going in and out, but their parents insisted that they kept keeping an eye out and had seen nothing. When he pointed the now empty yard out to their father, he shrugged and suggested that maybe someone was moving in. They never saw a moving truck or the big spectacle that accompanied new tenants. The red pickup truck was just there one day. At first it appeared that only one person had moved in. A man with a thick white mustache and thinning silver blonde hair would occasionally leave to go and buy groceries, and sometimes he would just pace the porch in the evenings with a beer can in one hand, wearing nothing but a wife beater and a pair of grimy jeans. He introduced himself reluctantly in passing once as Douglas. Ivana didn't like the way his gaze lingered on her when he noticed her standing there. Sometimes she'd go out and swing, only to go inside promptly after noticing him in the window, looking out, or at the screen door. He looked like he couldn't figure out what she was, like she was some identifiable animal prowling about the property. One late night, something else happened that she found unsettlingly odd. She lay in bed, half awake, when something in the window of Alyssa's old room caught her attention. It was a tiny flicker, not like a flashlight, but more the reflection of light of something else. She sat up, convinced it was a trick of the memory and light. The flickering was a deliberate a pattern of varying durations, and something was moving ever so slightly between the half-drawn curtains and the darkness of the supposedly vacant room. Sliding out from under the cover, she made her way to the window and cupped her hands around her eyes for a clearer look. The room wasn't vacant at all. A girl a few years younger than her stood almost out of sight with a compact mirror in her hand. She was using the glow of the street lamp and waved excitedly when she was noticed. She moved forward and began to mouth something unintelligible as Ivana reached for her notebook in response. Hey there, who are you? The girl looked confused and didn't appear to understand either what was written or what the question was. She stared blankly at her a moment before she mouthed the simple question. Name? Ivana nodded, urging her to answer. She pointed to herself and mouthed Ivana as well as she could before pointing to the girl for her response. Marissa. After a few tries, Ivana turned back to the notebook and held it up long enough for the girl to decipher. It's nice to meet you, Marissa. Marissa nodded happily and smiled a wide, toothy grin. She was missing a few front teeth, but didn't seem to mind. Soon they'd be back, seeing that adult teeth were beginning to peek out of her gums. It was nothing unusual for her age. She pointed out and then held up two fingers. The message was clear. You too. Before she could write anything more, Marissa's head turned and she suddenly looked flustered. She turned back, only to wave before slipping back out of sight. 
This left Ivana slightly rattled, wondering if this was something normal or not. Some people were just shy, she knew, and she didn't want to make mountains out of molehills, but the encounter left her uncomfortable. It wasn't the last time Marissa appeared in the window. She'd stand there waiting for her new friend to notice and come to the window. She only appeared at night at first, which allowed the I'm tired, got to sleep half excuse to be used. Only the sad look on Marissa's face made her insides writhe with guilt. It was difficult to talk, since she never had any paper and wouldn't open the window because there was a house alarm installed, so the conversations were quite brief. The girl's voice was a mystery for the longest time. Soon, she was there during the day, too, which made things less unsettling and more uncomfortable. The window would slide open at around nine in the morning, and if she was anywhere in sight, Marissa would call her name. Sometimes she threw little pebbles at the glass until she came to look. She spoke too fast and asked too many questions, which Ivana politely answered until an excuse popped up. Made her feel like a horrible sort of friend. Do you have a dog? My dad's allergic to pet fur or something. What are you doing? Homework? Spelling's really hard. Really, really hard. What took you so long to get home? Do you walk or ride a bus? I like the bus. You want to play something? I have a lot of dolls. You want to come over and play? I have lots of games we could play. For someone with so many questions, however, there was one that she refused to answer herself, which made Ivana even more suspicious. One afternoon, while unpacking the necessary supplies to complete her homework, Marissa asked her what she did at school and continued to pry at details. Swallowing hard to push back the apprehensiveness, she turned and asked, Where do you go to school, Marissa? I've never seen you at mine. The girl in the window looked as if she were suddenly put on a stage with a spotlight on her face. I used to go to a private school by Mom's house, but Dad's been homeschooling me or something. Really? Is it fun staying home? Sure, I guess. She tilted her head as if listening, then her eyes widened in surprise. What's wrong? Nothing. My dad's calling me. I'll see you later. That evening at dinner, she brought up Marissa to her parents. She told them everything about her, all the questions and the weird feelings she got. She admitted how she'd been actively avoiding her and sneaking around so she wouldn't see her. At first, her parents didn't seem to worry, seeing that their new neighbor was just a little nosy. Thomas seemed more interested, and she could tell by his face that he was as more curious than anything else. After dinner, he asked if he could see Marissa, and there wasn't any logical reason she should answer no. But when they tried to get her attention, they found that night she didn't come to the window. Thomas made sure the window was locked before going back to his own room. A week passed, and they waited for the strange neighbor friend. A week passed, and Marissa was nowhere in sight, and neither of them had any desire to go knocking on the door with Douglas inside. Maybe she's imaginary. I'm too big for imaginary friends. Finally, on a particularly cold evening, she saw the flicker from the window once again. The window was indeed open, but only enough for Marissa to whisper through. 
She looked all right, albeit a little tired. Hey, Ivana, you want to see something cool? What is it? I made a pillow for it. It's really fun, and it's got multiple little rooms. If you're sneaky, come over and we could play in it. Why do I have to be sneaky? Daddy doesn't like people coming over. They make messes. You won't, but he thinks you will. Where's the pillow fort? It's in the little crawl space under the living room floor. You wanna? Ivana swallowed hard. Uh, it's late. I have school tomorrow. I gotta go to bed soon. I'm sorry. It's okay. I just never have any friends over. It's like they forgot about me. I bet they didn't. Everyone's in school and... I'll ask my mom tomorrow. Marissa cracked a little smile and for a while they sat in silence. Is Douglas your dad? Ivana asked slowly as if she were tiptoeing around. The little girl in the window made a face she hadn't before. Her brow furrowed and she shook her head. Douglas? Yeah, he and my dad only talked a little. He doesn't seem like neighbors much. That's not my daddy's name. Thomas wouldn't let such new information go and spent more time trying to encounter Marissa himself. He asked questions like, does she look like him? Or what else did she say about him? Still, there was no response whenever Thomas was present, even if he hid so she couldn't see him. This frustrated him greatly, and he continued to bring it up to their parents, only to be told not to spy on the neighbors. At one point, he accused his sister of making it all up because she was upset about Alyssa. On a chilly November morning, Ivana proved she wasn't making anything up. It was about 4.30 before the sun had begun to rise up into the gray winter sky. The entire family was awoken by the sound of glass shattering. She was the first to get up and figure out what had caused the noise, since all she had to do was peek out the window. The window Marissa had so frequently perched in had shattered outward, scattering shimmering shards of glass all over the weeds in the window well below. There the dark-haired girl stood, her curly locks no longer in their neat braids and her eyes wide with fear, or at least what she perceived to be fear. She was shaking her head, and Ivana called her name. She looked around frantically, her eyes unfocused. I can't. I can't see. It's too dark. I don't want to. I don't want to be here, please. Marissa, I'm right here. What happened? She waved her arms, but the girl only groped around blindly. I don't want to go back into the dark place. It's not fun. It's not fun. There was another indistinct thud, and then her voice was gone. Everyone rushed in shortly after, but nobody could figure out what had happened or what she was even talking about when she tried to articulate what she'd seen. That afternoon, Ivana decided to call Alyssa out in hopes of telling someone who would better understand. She sat in her windowsill, looking out as she had listened to the ringing in anticipation. Alyssa's mother answered after three attempts, sounding irritated before giving over the phone. Hey, Ivana, how are you? Something weird is happening in your house. She went into detail, explaining what was happening from the first night to that morning, and her old friend only listened in a nervous silence. 
It was only after Ivana mentioned Marissa's offer to join her in the crawlspace pillow fort that Alyssa spoke up. Wait, she said she was playing in the crawlspace? Mm-hmm. She wanted me to go and see it. It was under the living room floor. You've been to my house, though. We, we have a basement just like yours. No crawlspace. Really? Oh, yeah. He was staring all around as if afraid someone would sneak up on him, then jumped in and drove away. She went hopping down the stairs, eager to tell Thomas, only to find her father sitting on the couch, leaning forward to focus all attention on the news report. Hey, honey, isn't that... Her mother came running in, and they all stared in horror as the breaking news ribbon moved across the screen and the photo of a man with a thick white mustache and silver blonde hair was put on screen. The local reporter spoke with grim urgency. Police are searching for 55-year-old Douglas Hume, who was the primary suspect in the murder of Sandra and Anthony Mitchell, as well as the abduction of their 7-year-old daughter. After neighbors reported a foul smell coming from the attached duplex where Hume had previously lived, police found the Mitchell's remains buried in the crawlspace after having been missing for nearly four months. Police believe that Hume is tied to multiple robberies and abductions all over the state. He's considered to be armed and very, very dangerous. If you have any information concerning the whereabouts of Mr. Hume, please call this number on the screen. Ivana watched in shock as her mother snatched the phone from her hands and darted to the kitchen to dial the number. <laughs> 